0: Welcome to the this episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host Mike Patton, and last episode we talked about the AFC and the, the Super Wild Card on that side. Now we got to bring it on over to the NFC side, talking about the Super Wild Card there. And there's plenty of good storylines and good games. And I sought out someone that you know, it, maybe not everyone knows, not everyone's seen on my platform before. You know, first timer. But someone that is very, very knowledgeable about the NFL, Arabia, what's going on?
1: Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. I'm excited.
0: All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, definitely going to be fun talking a little NFL football, a little playoff football. We're going to talk about your commanders, too, as everyone sees that you're, if you're watching. Uh, she has a big commander's, uh, I guess, flag, I should say. In the it's background and in the uh, sporting commander gear. So that is her team. We're going to talk about her team you know, before we talk about uh, the NFC playoffs. Uh, playoff picture, I should say. Uh, but first, of course, before we do any of that, there is the get it off your chest segment. Now, it could be anything from uh, football, basketball, whatever. But, you know, this one is talking about one of the greats in coaching. College football, that is. That would be Nick Saban. Nick Saban announced that he is retiring from coaching at the age of 72. Now, at the age of 72, I don't think I would think about coaching. But, hey, that's his passion. That's what he loves to do. And he gets plenty of the big bucks to do so. But he has announced that he is retiring. Uh, He is definitely uh, the greatest college coach of all time. I mean, you, you can try to deny it as much as you want. But, hey, to me, he's the greatest coach of all time. In college football uh just let me give you a little bit of the 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 uh a little bit of numbers to kind of back all that up during his coaching career 292 72 excuse me 292 wins 71 losses and one tie zero zero losing seasons yes how many coaches can say they had zero losing seasons uh eight of ten college football playoffs he was in those Uh, He won seven national titles, one at LSU, one at Alabama. And get this, he produced 49, 49 first-round draft picks, 44 at Alabama, five at LSU, I believe. So, and I don't know, maybe either LSU or Michigan State, one of the two. But, yeah, that's a lot. And, you know, it's got to pay homage to him. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. You can deny it all you want again, but he is. One of the greatest coaches of all time, and just for just a little added measure, there's still going to be a little bit of Nick Saban in college football. You know why? Because of the coaches that he helped get back on their feet, like a Steve Sarkeesian, before he went to Texas, he was at Alabama being an offensive coordinator. Lane Kiffin, before he before he ended up at Ole Miss, and before that, uh, Florida International, he was uh, a an assistant. For Nick Saban, because of course, you know what happened to USC getting fired on the tarmac. Um, then you have Mike Loxley. He got let go by Virginia, gets hired by Nick Saban. Now he's the head coach running his program at Maryland. So there's a lot of different coaches that are still there. And oh, and the other one I didn't mention, of course, his long-time defensive coordinator before he got the head coaching job at Georgia, Kirby Smart. So there's still gonna be an imprint of Nick Saban in college football it's just nick saban will no longer be on the sidelines to kind of watch and proceed and i guess kind of look over all of this going on in this new age of college football props to nick saban congratulations on your retirement and i'm pretty sure there are a lot of sec fans that are happy you're retiring for a couple (laughs) of different instances but just happy for you in general you got any thoughts you want to throw in there arabia
1: well, I mean, you, I think you pretty much covered it. When you think college football, one of the first names that you should think of is Nick Saban. And he for sure has permeated that culture. You think about coaching trees. We talk about coaching trees all the time in the NFL, the Shanahan tree, this and that. But like you were saying, the Nick Saban coaching tree has permeated the college football culture. And so the, the contributions that he's made to the game, players, coaches, um, you know, there's there's not enough It can't be understated how large of an impact he's had on that culture. So I wish the best for him uh, moving forward, and I'm excited to see what he has next. And a guy like that, who you can tell is passionate football and developing developing players, I'm sure he'll still be around in in one way or another behind the scenes. So, you know, congrats to him on a fantastic career and whatever he has next.
0: One bit of advice for him. Just don't go back to the NFL because that didn't work. for <laughs> you know. Don't yeah, do it.
1: Not, not necessarily translating well on that end. But, you
0: know, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I still remember him leaving Miami and coming back to to coaching uh, at uh, Alabama. That was uh, quite an interesting experience. I just remember all the shockwaves. But, um, you know, one great coach for the uh, Washington franchise was uh, Joe Gibbs. Uh, he definitely brought some of the greatest times in Washington football history. However, it isn't those times currently now. But, you know, we do have to talk about the Washington Commanders, which is your team. And it wasn't necessarily the greatest season, you know, 4-13, uh, you know. But, you know, you did get Ron, Ron Rivera is, is is out of there. So that is one positive, I think, for some fans of the team. Uh, but, you just taking a look at this team and just the, putting them under the microscope, what were your kind of your thoughts on the season and how it went?
1: Yeah, so I called a four to five win season in the offseason. I knew that or I, I expected our record to be what it is now. I just didn't expect it to happen the way that it did. I certainly didn't have my defense being last in the NFL, uh, especially after the performance that they had last year. And I didn't know what to expect out of Eric Bien and me coming from Kansas City, um, our assistant, assistant head coach and offensive coordinator. I didn't expect for my rookie quarterback to lead the league in passing attempts. Certainly didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, and leading the league at some point in uh, passing yards. So, um, you know, between coaching woes and maybe some player performance, it was a pretty abysmal season but the good thing is that there is light at the end of the tunnel so this season is over and we can just look ahead to see what we have going on next
0: yeah well what's going on next is a coaching search as i mentioned ron rivera is gone so since ron rivera is gone um i gotta ask one do you think eric the enemy is going to get a look for that job and secondly what kind of coach do you think would fit that team right now?
1: I think they will dignify Eric bien and me with an interview. Uh, whether they end up, you know, promoting him or not, is a totally different issue. But um, you know, as far as who I have in mind for a coach, it really just depends on the entirety of the front office. I want them to marry well with each other, and I want it to mesh well with the talent. Uh, We saw, for example, Jalen Hurts in 2021, in the first half of 2022, not do so well because um, Sirianni was calling plays. But as soon as Shane Steichen took over in that second half of 2022, it was like a totally different quarterback. So talent can be what it is, but if it doesn't marry well with the coaches, it it can translate differently. So I don't have anyone specifically in mind. I just hope that Whatever they decide, it works well. Um, right now they have uh, Warriors GM Bob Myers plus um, Vikings GM Rick Spielman helping as consultants with the Josh Harris group and current front office um, employees to figure out how they can fill those vacancies. So I believe in them. I think it's a great pool of resources that we have to figure out who is going to be. But either way, I just hope that it makes sense.
0: Gotcha. It's going to be interesting indeed, and especially with another name getting thrown in the pool, which... It wouldn't surprise me if they make a call to him. That would be uh, Mike Rabel. wouldn't Wouldn't surprise me if that that name pops up up there. So I got a got pretty good uh, insight on watching him, by the way. So if it happens, you definitely know who to call. But uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I'll tell you that, and it'll. Uh, I, I, I'll I'll tell you. after. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, we definitely, you know, we talked about the Washington football team, the commanders. And, you know, I, I, I can't even lie, I did call the stadium the space station. You know, <laughs> it, it to me, I, I, I thought it was the space station. And then when Carson Wentz was the quarterback, I used to call him Commander Wentz because he did kind of make you kind of squint and cry a little bit in, inside, but yes. things he did. So, yes. you know, I, yes.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, he did. we We've had all kinds of troubles at all kinds of positions, but you know we gotta to try to throw that away. We have a lot of tools in our toolbox with the number two pick in the uh, overall in the draft with two second round picks, two third round picks, uh, 85 million in cap space. Uh, so we have a lot of things at our disposal that we can use to try to get get some really good talent.
0: All right, and uh, we got a comment from the uh, the Not bland show. Actually, D. blend. love the process that this team and Josh Harris is taking. It definitely is different. I'll I'll say that you know bringing in Bob Myers and you know that's it, it, interesting. I I I, I do kind of like it. But of course, we can't spend all day here. We do have to talk about the playoffs, the teams that are still playing, and we're going to start with Green Bay versus Dallas, like what I like to dub the Mike McCarthy Bowl. Because, of course, Mike McCarthy took Green Bay to a Super Bowl, Bowl, their last Super Bowl. Of course, when Aaron Rodgers was playing quarterback and Scott Wells was playing starting center. Now, I know you don't know who Scott Wells is, but he was my former college, excuse me, high school teammate, actually. So, yeah, so uh, he actually was the starting center the last time the Packers won the Super Bowl. Uh, So that was just uh, that was an interesting time with a lot of injuries. And they overcame that and won the Super Bowl, which was pretty amazing. Uh, but of course, you know, they don't have a ton of injuries this year, but they are the youngest team in the NFL uh, led by Jordan Love. A guy that's had to kind of prove himself this year, which he has, in my opinion. Um, you know, with them making the playoffs and being the NFL's youngest team. I mean, what do you think of just the amazing things that, has been, that have been done in Green Bay with this youth in this team this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's super impressive. Um, 32 touchdowns on 11 interceptions, 4,200 passing yards. It's certainly impressive for a 25-year-old who is starting for an entire season for the first time. I mean, before this, he only started in one career game. So definitely impressive. When you trade your four-time MVP, uh, future Hall of Fame quarterback, who was there for almost two decades, who took over the reins from another guy who was there for almost two decades, it can be a lot of pressure. And so I don't think anyone expected for this young team uh, led by Jordan Love to find playoff success in this first year in the Aaron Rodgers list era. So um, certainly impressive, not necessarily an indicator of any playoff run, but impressive nonetheless for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely very, very impressive. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, you had a little bit of a hiccup and people were wondering, was he going to be the guy? But it seems like when everybody stopped looking at the Green Bay Packers, He smoothed it on out, especially with a lot of these young wide receivers, I should say. Um, Of course, you know, going into this game, (sighs) the Dallas Cowboys, there's always a level of concern, you know, just with them in general when it comes to the playoffs because, of course, you know, you always hear, it's our year, it's our year, and, you know, it never ends up being their actual year, but, of course, you know, some are still saying it's their year, some are saying, hey, maybe we'll make it to the second round or the or the uh, NFC Championship game, we'll see. But what should their level of concern be when it comes to the Green Bay Packers?
1: Um, well, the Cowboys are 8-0 and oh at home. That's a huge advantage. Um, but I don't think this is the time to think that you're a shoe-in. I don't think it's time to assume that, you know, with any team you can come in and just easily beat them. Uh, the last time these two teams met in November of 2022, the Cowboys were up 28 to 14 in the third quarter and then ended up losing 28 to 31 in overtime. So, um, this is the first time that we're seeing Mike McCarthy call play since Aaron Rodgers. Now he's back at Lambeau Field. Now he's back um, as head coach and as the offensive play caller with the now longest tenured quarterback in the NFC since Aaron Rodgers is in the AFC. So um, even Packers aside, the Dallas usually does well in the regular season, but it's time for them to play prove that they can be a successful playoff uh, contender too. So um, there should be a, a level of concern since the stakes are pretty high for them.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And another concern for them is running the football. They really haven't done that very well with uh, Mr. Pollard back there and, you know, the franchise tag guy. Uh, trying to, you know, trying to show out for the new contract, but, you know, just really hasn't worked out that well. Um, you know, a question I have is, uh, do how much does the running game, how much does that actually, you know, have their success, you know, or what success they hope to have when it comes to the playoffs this year?
1: Well, like you said, I think a lot of people had questions about Tony Pollard coming into the season after his tightrope surgery, um, after that high ankle sprain. People wanted to know, coming off of the 1,000-yard season last season, what his production will be like this season. And as we can see, he's had another 1,000-yard season. So he's come back strong, but he hasn't come back as productive. This year, he averages about four yards per carry. Last year, he averaged about 5.2 yards per carry. The year before that, he averaged about 5.5 yards per carry. His rookie year, he averaged about 5.3 yards per carry. So this year, six touchdowns. Last year, nine touchdowns. With Ezekiel Elliott in New England now, even Tony Pollard said that he thought that he would have a much stronger season. and, And his standard was a bit higher for what he's producing now. So... By anyone's standard, he's had a good season, but certainly not as productive. Um, the only time that we've seen Dallas's rushing attack really act as a well-oiled machine was between Weeks 10 and 14, where they averaged about 130 rushing yards. In the three games after that, they, they averaged only 82 rushing yards. Since Week 14, the Cowboys only had two rushing touchdowns. One of them was CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> And the other one was Tony Pollard three days ago against the commanders. So um, certainly they could work on being more balanced, um, having maybe Hunter Lipkins carry the ball, or having Rico Dowdle carry the ball. Um, They tend to have a lot of inside runs, not really attacking the edge a lot, not a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, So, you know, I think they can tweak the run enough to give that defense a break while also helping the offense, especially in those road playoff games where Dak might not be able to communicate with his receivers as well. So um, the rushing attack has been a combination of maybe O-line, um, not very balanced in who's carrying the ball and you know a, a lot of other things. But Tony Pollard isn't the problem, just sometimes isn't very helpful.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So a lot of blame to go around. But Green Bay, there's not really a lot of blame, a lot of joy to go around because no one expected them to make the playoffs. Uh, But, you know, of course, they do have a problem on their hands when they see Dak Prescott on the opposite side. Now, Dak has definitely done his thing. You know, they called it the Texas Coast offense. Whatever that means, he's <laughs> throwing the football more, which I, I hated that name. It makes me want to go make breakfast, to be honest. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I've got to say, you know, with Green Bay and knowing what they're trying to do with Dak Prescott, how much does, you know, how much level of concern do they, they need to have when it comes to, you know, defending Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and just all the different weapons they have in the passing game?
1: Well, I think there are two main elements here. The one is time of possession, and the other is the Packers' uh, defensive scheme. So time of possession has been a very critical factor for the Cowboys this year. They're 8-2 and two when they control time of possession, and they're 6-0 and oh when they have the ball for at least 35 minutes. Um, the Packers defense is top ten in the NFL and allowing explosive pass plays. So they're top ten in allowing twenty plus yard uh pass plays. Uh they run a zone shell defense, which contains the run kind of in those short to intermediary areas, but that actually might work against them when it comes to time of possession. Because if Dak, you know, his time to throw is about two point four seconds. So if he gets the ball out fast and just keeps chipping away at those short to intermediate yards and just controls the time of possession going downfield little by little, that seems to be the kiss of death to anyone who plays the Cowboys is allowing them to keep the ball in Dak's hand. Um, So there there are three main things. Number one, maybe try to get that pocket to collapse around Dak and hope he doesn't find his footing downfield. Um, Number two, the Cowboys have tended to pull away early in games and start to score in the first half. If they can limit that early, that might be helpful. And then number three for that Packers offense to try to milk time of possession while still being productive to just keep the ball out of that sense.
0: Yeah. So the running game and Aaron Jones and uh, uh, AJ Dillon, AKA uh, what they, I think they call them like quadzilla actually, <laughs> which is hilarious to me, but anyway um, it's it's going to be very imperative is what it sounds like that they get going in the running game in this one. Um, so if you had to pick right now between Green Bay and Dallas, who would you take in this game to win this one?
1: Yeah, I'm taking Dallas. As, as much as I've said before for them not to think that they're a shoe win, I do have the Cowboys winning this game. They're starting to play more complete on both sides of the ball. Earlier this season, it was the defense carrying that team. But Dak is now playing very well, throwing and, and rushing, uh, using his legs. So I have I have the Cowboys in this game.
0: Gotcha. I'm kind of thinking the Cowboys, but I could see Green Bay upsetting them in Jerry's world. I, and if that happens, there's no way that Mike McCarthy is able to come back and coach that team. There's just Yeah,
1: no because you know, the 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 excuses are melting away for the Cowboys in the postseason. So, you know, at this year it's like, what what's the excuse? So they gotta at least make it work in this first round.
0: Right, right. And, you know, we're going to talk a little Rams-Lions, and we're going to talk Philly versus Tampa Bay. But first, we got to take a quick commercial break on touring the AFC South with their host, Mike Patton. A shift. A shift is something that happens and changes the dynamics. And that's what happened when Garrett Logistics was born. After 10 years as a sales pro in the logistics world of sporting goods, John Garrett decided to pivot to the world of freight and start a brokerage. So you're saying to yourself, why trust garrett logistics well garrett logistics helps shippers improve overall workflow along with increased on-time pickup and delivery percentages last-minute loads, multi-drop pickups and more are part of the services with garrett logistics they're available monday through friday 7 a.m to 6 p.m and saturday 8 a.m to 12 p.m all times central standard time so give them a ring at 615-400-8484 or you can email them at john at garrett or visit their website at garrett logistics.co garrett logistics where the motto is it's not just freight to us it's your business all right and we are back on touring the nc south with your host mike Patton again we are talking about the nfc And the Super Wild Card Weekend on that side of the bracket. And up next, the Rams versus the Lions. Now, if you didn't know these two teams before, I'm going to kind of help you out the the comparison and kind of bring these teams a little bit closer. Back in 2021, the Rams made a trade. They traded Jared Goff to the Detroit Lions. Of course, with a couple picks, a couple first-round picks, I should say, and a third-round pick. To bring them Matthew Stafford, of course, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams and Jared Goff. He basically became a guy that people can say is a dependable quarterback somewhat at times. Of course, there's other times, he, you know, he, he does kind of throw to the other team at times. But that's that's either here or there. But, you know, he definitely became a pretty solid quarterback for the Detroit Lions where no one thought he was going to be that. So here we go with these two teams a few years down the line, seeing each other in the playoffs, the first playoff game in Ford Field, I believe. So it, it's just incredible, this the symmetry that's going on. You got one of the greatest players in Detroit Lions history versus his old team, the Detroit Lions. It's going to be interesting indeed. Now, the Rams are the one of the hottest teams in the NFL, if not the hottest team. They won seven of the last eight games going to the playoffs. The only loss, an overtime loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Boy, oh boy, I never thought this was coming. I just had to say that. I never thought this was coming, but, um, you know, the Lions—they've had a few concerns themselves, and this team is coming in hot. So, what is the level of concern the Lions have with this Rams team coming in? Well, you know, we got Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup you TT got Tutu, T.T. Atwell, T.T. Atwell. You've got uh, good gracious, you got all these pieces that are there that nobody's really heard of a couple of these pieces, but they just make things happen. So what is your, the level of concern the Lions should have about this L.A. Rams team? First
1: of all, I did not have the Rams being a playoff team on my bingo card. I just did not have the Rams being as good as they are this season happening in the offseason. So I'm sure it has come as a surprise to many. Um, but there's really talent all over this Rams t- roster both, on both sides of the ball. You have Puka Nakua, who's breaking all kinds of rookie records. You have Cooper Cup. Um, you have Kyron Williams, who's the first NFL player since 1937 to be top three in rushing despite missing four or more games, which is like insane. Um, so there's talent all over the ball. But so the Lions should be concerned. However, Detroit also has talent all over the ball with, you know, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, um, Sam Laporta. even though, you know, he sustained an injury. Um, Amara St. Brown. So there for sure is cause for, for concern. But both teams have talent all over that roster. So, you know, it's, it's not too one-sided on, on either side.
0: Right, right. And, uh, you know, speaking of talent for the Detroit Lions, they do definitely have two talented running backs, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Now, Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, is more of the flash, and uh, David Montgomery is more the dash and the pound, you know, kind of hit him in the mouth type of guy. Um, so, with the Rams, I know they have Aaron Donald in there, and they have some younger players around them, but, you know, it, it's in the, in the past, teams have ran at Aaron Donald uh, and, you know, and, and had success. Like, you know, for example, the 49ers have ran right at... Aaron Donald had success. So, do you see the Detroit Lions maybe implementing that same type of thing and running at the uh, the LA Rams in this game?
1: Yeah, I mean it's entirely possible. It's it's one thing to have a pass rush, but defending the run is really difficult. Um, so that is a fantastic question. The answer to which is I have no idea how they're going to do that, and I think it's going to be one of the biggest uh, keys to the game. Is going to be probably priority one. Uh, for them coming into the game is figuring out how to stop that run um so i don't have an intelligent answer to that fantastic question but i do know that it's something that everyone should be looking out for going into the games
0: gotcha gotcha but you definitely explained it very well <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh, like i mentioned previously puka Nakua, cooper cup two guys that can take over the game uh, of course catching the football from matthew stafford And the Lions have a limited pass rush, and they've had issues in their secondary. Does that spell a recipe for disaster for this Lions defense?
1: Absolutely. I mean, like I said, Nakua is just having a fantastic rookie year. Uh, Cooper Cup might not be as flashy as Puka Nakua at times, but certainly is very reliable, a very dependable receiver. Um, We saw Detroit's secondary struggle against Justin Jefferson. We saw Detroit secondary struggle against C.D. Lamb. So it's reasonable to believe that this line secondary will run into similar issues with this dynamic pass-catching duo. Um, I don't imagine that it's going to be a cakewalk. And plus, you know, secondary, those corners, that's arguably the most difficult position in football. So you get two talented guys on offense going up against, you know, any secondary is going to be difficult. But we've seen in the past a trend where they do tend to struggle against some of the better receivers in the league.
0: Yeah, and speaking of talented receiver, is of course uh, I'm in, Amon Ra St. Brown. I, I I completely butchered that to start, but Amon Ra St. Brown has definitely done some things for the Detroit Lions. Now, of course, you know you have Sam LaPorte, and he's battling injury. You don't know if he's going to play. He's kind of looking like he's probably not, but you just don't know. Of course, because you know it's the playoffs, and you know people you know tend to want to be Kellen Winslow and. Limp around and play and things like that. But, you know, I digress. So if Laporta is not able to play, who are, I mean, who steps up and actually becomes the guy out there for them or takes some of that pressure off of uh, St. Brown out there?
1: Yeah. So Ben Johnson's offensive scheme can be very versatile. Uh, we've seen Jameer Gibbs line up in all kinds of different. So um, with Sam Laporta potentially out, we're looking at guys at depth. We're looking at a Josh Reynolds. Um, We're looking at a Jamison Williams, who I think he practiced today. So not sure if he's going to be in or not, but he could for sure be a look. I mean, you know, even though St. Brown will be, you know, you know, enemy number one for that defense, um, I think he still will get a lot of targets. I would not be surprised if Jameer Gabe's got double-digit targets in that regard. Um, so you have those guys at depth who are just really going to have to step up and uh, fill in for St. Brown if defense is all over him. But I think they have the depth enough to do it and figure it out.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, as far as your thoughts for that game, Rams versus Lions. Now, for me, I think I honestly think the Rams can win this game. So I've got two upsets to start off with. Uh, between the Rams and the Lions, who you got?
1: This is gonna be such an amazing game because both teams can win. Oh my gosh. I mean the the, the Lions haven't won a playoff game since '91, I believe. Um I'm going Lions. I'm gonna go with the Lions. I'm going Lions. Detroit for that game.
0: Well, I will say this. Uh the brother from another uh team of uh Mike Smith and uh Michael Holly, that is their unofficial team. So I'm pretty sure they're they are in agreement with you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh in the last and final game of the Super Wild Card weekend, we have the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, I will say there's not a lot of excitement about this game because the Bucks <laughs> finished the season uh winning nine to nothing over the Carolina Panthers, the Lowly Carolina Panthers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they started the season 10 and 1, finished the season losing Uh, What, five in the last six, or if not more than that? Is it five in the last six, or? Yeah, they're
1: one in five five. in the last six games.
0: So 11 and six, but not very impressive, 11 and six. So what do you think has gone on with this team? To me, personally, it seems like they haven't been the same since the 49ers came to their field and just went ham. But (laughs) there's something going on there. You've got Patricia, Matt Patricia, being the defensive coordinator and shine the side, getting demoted in the middle of the season. You got an offense that just, um, you know, taking shots and doing different things. And A.J. Brown saying that they did that on their own. And I'm just like, okay, what is going on here? It sounds like an episode of As the World Turns going on. Do you have any <laughs> kind of thoughts as what happened to this team?
1: Yeah, well, I honestly think the signs were there all season. The The Eagles never came in and dominated anyone. There was always the other team was kind of in the game with them. They never came in and just took a huge lead early and maintained the lead throughout the whole game. So they were never that team at all. Um, to be fair, they did have the hardest strength of schedule in the NFL, and especially in the middle of the season where it's like they had the 49ers, then the Dolphins, and the Bills, and the Cowboys. I mean, it was difficult for them. Um, But unfortunately, I think winning early kind of covered some of their imperfections. And now that they're starting to lose and some of the imperfections are catching up with them, they're starting to get a bit more uncovered. But I think it would be enough for any team with a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator for you to expect that they would take a bit of a step back this season. So I think it's a combination of maybe new coordinators on both sides of the ball Um, And them just really not being able to dominate their opponents. Um, Plus the strength of schedule was pretty hard. You know, I I don't, they have talent on their roster, but it just has never been enough. And it's starting to catch up with them, which is really not what you want to see coming into the playoffs. By this time, high caliber teams are starting to pick up steam as they go into the playoffs and the Eagles are heading in the wrong direction.
0: Right, right. And especially uh, with an injury, but we're going to get into that in a second. But uh, Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they're entering the playoffs, but you know they've had some good games. They've had some games where you know Mike Evans has definitely lit up the scoreboard with Baker Mayfield, and then they have the game nine to nothing win over the Carolina Panthers, like I mentioned previously. So between the big wins and the nine and zero, you know, I guess I would say Snorefest. Which one is the real Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do you kind of think more towards the nine and zero? or more towards the team that's kind of, you know, you know, acting up out there, Baker Mayfield throwing in the passing game, you know, going down the field, running, pumping his fist, you know, things like that.
1: Yeah. First of all, nine to zero uh, against the worst team in the NFL coming into the playoffs is insane. Um, Like I said, most high caliber teams are picking up steam as they come into, you know, out of week 18. So, you know, the, 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 the Bucks had the 11th easiest strength of schedule, so they didn't have a really hard schedule. And all of the teams that they ended up playing who made the, the playoffs, they lost. They lost against the Lions. They lost against, um, you know, any team the, that ended up being in the, in the playoffs except for the Packers. So, you know, they are a playoff team, obviously, but they're just kind of bottom of the pack. I think the real team is kind of a bit in between where they're good, but they're not, you know, anything to really speak of in this playoff picture.
0: Yeah, definitely an interesting uh, dynamic of these two teams playing each other. Now, I know someone that said that the Philadelphia Eagles would probably lose in the first round. I can't really say they can or not at this point. We're going to get to that, though. But uh, I do have to talk about Mr. Mike Evans. He's going to be seeing probably Darius Slay a good little bit. So bet on bet battle which i do like it when the salty vets get to face each other and you know mike evans is playing for a contract darius slay is playing for a contract so how do you see this matchup kind of going in this one
1: yeah i think the buccaneers actually have a pretty clear advantage here um going into week 18 philly's pass defense was second worst in the nfl behind the commanders um they allow 35 uh touchdown passes and so Baker Mayfield, like he said, he's connected very well with Mike Evans. Um, headed into week 18, um, the, uh, Evans led the NFL with 13 touchdown uh, catches. And 50% of Baker's throws of 20 or more yards go to Evans. So they have a really great connection. Um, in the last bucks eagles wildcard game, Slay covered 77% of, eight, of Evans' routes and held him to three catches on five targets for 49 yards. So this certainly is a very interesting matchup. The thing that I hate about it is is injuries, they suck. You wanna see these head-to-head battles when they're both at 100%. And Slay, of course, is dealing with the injury, so that factor is there. It'll still be a great matchup, but you wanna see healthy, robust rosters going into the playoffs.
0: That's true, that's true. But yeah, what they always say, everybody's injured when it comes to the playoffs.
1: I mean, the regular season really beats up on you. And when you get to the playoffs, it's like, who's who's left standing?
0: That's true. That is true. Now, of course, you know, like I mentioned, A.J. Brown suffered a little bit of a knee injury in the last game versus the New York Giants, which was a loss for the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. Um, They said it wasn't as after the game. Of course, we don't know whether he's going to play or not. We don't know that status, but of course, you know, I think he's going to fight through it and try to play. (sighs) How do you expect him to kind of show up uh, in this game and then if he does play and then also side note, Devontae Smith, you know, is dealing with an ankle injury himself. So a lot of injured pass catchers for the Eagles. So how do you and then also, of course, you got to mention uh, Jalen Hurts with his finger. So you got all these injuries in the passing game. So how do you expect this Eagles passing game to actually show up, or do they kind of depend more on the running game?
1: Yeah, so first of all, um, I think if A.J. Brown is back, he'll be a threat if he's on the field, period, whether he's at 190, 80, just even to draw defenses. So um, if he's not at 100%, like we saw him, I, he broke an NFL record this season with the most consecutive games with 125-plus um receiving yards. if he's not at that caliber coming into the playoffs he, he'll still be an asset on that offense. Um, any of these guys will will certainly be uh, weapons just maybe not at the same level as we saw them earlier earlier in the season. Uh, Which really, really sucks because it's such a contrast to last season where they had great injury luck. A lot of those guys had uh, career seasons. So this year for them to be hit with the injury bug, kind of like the Cowboys were, it's just kind of like they're switching roles. But um, anyway, yeah, I I don't know if he will be back at 100, but either way, he'll for sure be able to at least draw defenses.
0: It's going to be interesting to watch and see how that works out and see if, uh, you know, he favors his leg or anything of that nature. But my guess is he figures out a way to play. It's just a matter of can he sustain some level of play while he's in there. Uh, one one other question I did have for you, uh, you know, uh, let's see. Am I going to ask that one? Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and ask that one here. Okay, Dark Horse, who is your Dark Horse outside of uh, that, that – that, Gives you that you know, I guess a little bit level of, I guess, comfort or uh, a level of positivity when facing the 49ers to potentially knock them out.
1: Uh, um, when facing the 49ers. So my immediate thought was the Cowboys. And then I immediately thought about the regular season game. That was
0: just, <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was just absolutely insane. Um, but like I said, the Cowboys look like a different team than they did towards the, towards the first half of the season, which is totally normal. Um, I'm, go, I'm going either Cowboys or Lions. If I have to choose right now, as much as I and I hate to say it,
0: I'll say the Cowboys. <laughs> gotcha. Well, a team I would pick, I would say the Rams, because the Rams see them in the division. And just it seems like every time they play, it's never really a blowout. You know, at times it is, but, you know, more often times than not, it's a pretty good physical, close game. And, you know, of course, they're they're NFC West foes. So, you know, that would be interesting in its own right. Um, but we have reached the end of the show, but we're not over just yet. We do have a game. Five questions, two answers, and one choice. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: All right. First question. You got to pick a Scissor song. "Snooze" or "Good Days." Which one are you picking?
1: Good days for sure. Both great songs, but I'm
0: picking "Good Days." All right. You know, I'm gonna go with "Snooze." You know, that does sound. When you listen to the lyrics of "Snooze," you're like, okay, that's a little, that's that's a little rough, uh, Scissor. <laughs> but you know, it was just a good song, though. It's a good song. But anyway. <laughs> i do like good days though good days is a a good one um okay you have to cheer for one of these teams philadelphia or dallas which team you picking
1: eagles easy philadelphia absolutely
0: (laughs) all right all right all right uh the Capitol or the washington monument which one do you would you like to visit more or like to go to more
1: say the monument the monument for sure it's it has the aesthetics you can be outside uh, a more interesting, unique structure. I've seen more buildings like the Capitol than I have like the monument. I'll go with the monument.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Two thousand yards rushing or twenty sacks. Which one is more impressive to you?
1: Oh, you said two thousand yard, two thousand yards rushing or twenty sacks?
0: Yeah. Which one is more impressive to you?
1: Oh my goodness. That's a really great question. They're both crazy. I'll go 2,000
0: yards rushing. Okay. All right. (laughs) And the last question Wizards versus Pistons game or Carolina versus Washington? Which game would you go to and why? And the Carolina versus Washington game is the football game. And of course, the Wizards and Pistons is the NBA game, which, you know, both all the franchises aren't necessarily doing the greatest.
1: Yeah, um, I'll go Wizards Pistons, only because I'm a Wizards fan. I don't really get to see them often. Yeah, I'll go Wizards Pistons. My life revolves around football, so let's take it out of the NFL first, or take it out of football for a second and go Wizards
0: Pistons. Okay, and then hey, another caveat to that one, at least you're inside while watching some bad play.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm secretly hoping my son ends up liking football or basketball so that he can get me inside somewhere for a change.
0: I hear you there. I hear you there now. That's the end of Five Questions, Two Answers, and One Choice. Uh, and you are off the hot seat. We have reached the end of the show, Arabia. It has been a pleasure. You've definitely dropped some knowledge and uh you definitely had some good conversation on the show about the NFC and the Super Wild Card weekend. If you can let everyone know where they can find you on social media and just let them know things that you're working on. I see the videos, I see the knowledge you're dropping. Go ahead and kind of bless us with uh, where we can find you on social media and any other things you'd like to say.
1: Well, I'm on Twitter mostly at ArabiaXO. Um, I'm also on on TikTok at AIXT5, I believe. Just working on more commanders content, NFL content on all uh, 32 teams. We'll be working with the NFL fantasy draft coming up in April, so look out for that and um just generally trying to keep up with any nfl news uh breaking news especially with the commanders as we roll into more coaching interviews so yes you can find me on twitter at arabiaxo
0: all right all right well you know i'm not the host of the show those that don't know but uh, <laughs> my and name thank is you so Mike. much for
1: having me on this was really great and amazing conversation um thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun
0: yeah, it's always a, a pleasure having uh, someone come on with their first time, and I mean, you dropped a whole bunch of knowledge on people that probably a lot of people don't know. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I gotta, you know, applaud you for just you just spitting it off the top of your head. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I wish I could do that, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, of course. I am the host of the show. My name is Mike Patton. You can find me on the artist formerly known as Twitter at Mike Patton 82 That's M-I-K-E-P-A-W-T-O-N-82. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Twitter. That's an O to Prince. Yeah, one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, also, I would say you can find me on Instagram, and you can find me on threads at the, that's T-H-A, not T-H-E, underscore, general, underscore, np. You can find touring the AFC South on all listening platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, Amazon Music, you name it, we are there. And we're also on YouTube. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Touring the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We are out.